Uh, the passage we will be in today is Ephesians chapter 1, 11 through 14. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 through 14. And to summarize the verses that I've already preached through, just to remind you guys, right? As Brady says, way reminder. It says, Blessed be the God and our Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, starting in verse 3, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessings in the heavenly place in Christ. So we know that God blesses us, and in return, in response, we bless God with words. We bless Him by just simply doing what He has commanded us to do. And just, and then following, it says, Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before Him. Simply, right, that we were chosen before the world was created. And all of those who make a choice to follow Christ, they are the chosen before the foundation of the world. They choose because they were chosen. That we would be holy and blameless before Him. That even in Christ, in Christ we are holy and blameless before the Father, before Christ. And it says that in love, He predestined us, set us apart to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to Himself. That we were chosen out, that we were set apart. We were set apart to be adopted. When we were children of wrath, sons of disobedience, God chose us before the world was created and predestined us to be adopted through Christ, to be sons and daughters of Him. According to the kind intention of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace. He did it for Himself. God did it for Himself, for His glory. That's why God did it. And then in Him, we have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace which He lavished on us. If we remember that all the religions in the world, you know, I say this a lot, but all the religions in the world, they teach if you want to be redeemed, that you are the Redeemer, that you are the one who has to do it yourself. Well, all the religions in the world teach that Christianity is the only one who says you can't redeem yourself. But that's why it's called Christianity. Because Christ, we call Him the gracious Redeemer. Because He is the one who redeems us. Our redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses. Not only have we been redeemed, but we have been forgiven of our sins. And it is according to the riches of His grace which He lavished on us. That grace is greater than our sin. That His grace is enough. That it's like a cup filled all the way. <clears throat> it is more than we could ever imagine. God's grace and He has lavished it on us. And I believe in verse 7. In all wisdom and insight He made known to us the mystery of His will. He has made known to us the mystery of His will. Which is Christ. Christ has been known it has been made known to us that Christ is the Messiah. In those days when they had not yet known who Christ actually was, you know, just like knowing the ark, today, 
Christ is the ark and the covering in the garden when God covered them. Christ is our covering. In Isaiah 50 chapter, or Isaiah chapter 50, Isaiah 53, that he, that is, that's Christ. The mystery has been made known to us. And it says, according to the kind intention which he purposed in him, with the view of administration suitable to the fullness of times, that is the summing up of all things in Christ, things in heavens and things on the earth, that it is purposed in him. So if you guys, if you guys will bow with me, and um, we will pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. God, I pray that you will that you will speak through me, God. That you will speak to me. That you would speak to everyone that is in this room, God. Your word is powerful and mighty. It saves. It convicts. It changes us, God. It reminds us of our true hope. God, may you be glorified through this, God. I just pray that you would calm my nerves, God. And that you would be glorified. pray that many that many people would be reminded of these truths today that I speak thank you for 116 church God and all the churches across the world who are meeting today who have met today God what a blessing it is God to gather with other brothers and sisters to come together just for you God In Christ's name I pray, God, that you'd be glorified. Amen. Alright, so starting with verse 11. It says, Also we have been obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to His purpose who works all things after the counsel of His will. Our inheritance in Christ. Those who have been predestined, those who have been adopted through the blood of Christ, redeemed through the blood of Christ, who have been lavished with grace and all wisdom and insight, whom the mystery has been revealed to us, Christians, also have obtained an inheritance. If you guys will turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. I'll give you guys a second. <clears throat> First Peter chapter 1, verse 4. It says, To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. So imperishable. What does that mean? So as we know that everything on earth is in the process of rotting, rusting, crumbling everything on this earth 
is either dying or it will die. You know, as, even as we speak right now, in our bodies, in our human bodies, the older we get, you know, the closer we get to dying. Our bodies are growing old. Our bodies start to break down and wear out. But what we have in Christ is not subject to corruption or decay, for it is imperishable. Now, as we read in Matthew chapter 6, 19-21, it says, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. You see, our treasure is Christ. And because it is Christ, what belongs to Christ now belongs to us. In 1 Corinthians 3.22-23, through 23, it says, Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things in the present or things that come, all things belong to you and you belong to Christ and Christ belongs to God. What we have in Christ, we have, we have all that is in Christ because Christ has all and is all. Our inheritance that we have in Christ will not perish like the rest of the things, like things on earth, material things. So our inheritance will not perish. It also says that our inheritance is undefiled. In heaven, up above, where our inheritance lies, untainted by sin and therefore shall never be Corrupted. Everything we see on earth, every creature, every sea creature, every tree, every mountain, every bird or insect has some sort of imperfection because of the fall, because of the beginning, because of sin. Even the most beautiful things on the earth still have imperfections because of sin. But Christ, being perfect, being holy, being exalted above all else, And because our inheritance is in Him, no earthly corruption can touch the inheritance we have obtained in Him. him. For nothing impure can enter in. Enter in heaven. So not only is our inheritance in Christ, not only will it not perish, but it will not be that it is undefiled, but also it says that it's unfading. Like colors fade, flowers wither, and mountains crumble. Even the things that we once found to be interesting will no longer, we will no longer have interest in. New things come into this world and immediately start to fade away. But like, like, like the world and all of its riches and desires, it all fades away. But Christ, the inheritance that we have in Him shall never fade away. For what is clean and what is pure shall never fade away. Our inheritance that we have is not of this world, it is of heaven, heavenly things. It is shall not diminish, for God is making all things new. So I guess the next question that I would have is, well, what is our inheritance? What does that mean? The simple answer is heaven and the things that we have now in Christ, like joy, Peace, freedom. Though we're in the flesh and though we struggle, though we fall, these things are promised. But what is our inheritance? 
heaven, to be with God forever in worship. In Revelation 21, verse 24, or Revelation 21, verse 4, it says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. There is no sin. There is nothing that is not pure or not clean that will be there in heaven. And John 14 verse 2, it says, In my Father's house are many rooms, and if it were not so, would I have told you that I go there to prepare a place for you? It's Christ. And in John 3.16, we know that God so loved the world that whoever would believe in Him shall not perish, but would have everlasting life. That this is forever. That there in the inheritance that we have obtained, that, that Christ has for us, it's eternal. It's forever. You know, I remember one time I was at a Bible study with a friend of mine. It's probably like two years ago, and um, I remember we were talking about we were talking about heaven. And uh, I remember this article that I read, and I was just sharing it with him, and it was by J.C. Ryle. And uh, you know, I, I read I read the article to them because it was just it, it was so convicting. Um, it, he was to summarize it. He was saying that most professing Christians um, today, people who claim to believe in Christ and be a followers of Him, they. They want heaven, but they don't know what heaven is. They don't know that heaven is simply just a place of worship. To worship God the Father, Christ, forever. You know, they don't worship Him here. They don't want that. They don't want to worship here. So why would they want to go to heaven? Why would they want heaven when they don't want it now? So our inheritance simply is heaven, and it shall not perish, spoil, or fade, for it is Christ who is who has made us clean and pure and holy. And in heaven there is no sin, and God Christ, Jesus Christ, has prepared a place for us there, and it's forever. Our inheritance is forever in Christ. And with all that being said, in Colossians chapter three, one through four. It says, Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you will also be revealed with Him in glory. Brothers and sisters in Christ, set your mind on things above. I have to tell myself that daily. To set my things, set my mind on things that are above, not below, but where Christ is seated, not where Satan roams. For we, for you, if you're a Christian, have died and your life has been risen, has been raised up with Him. And He is our all. 
So in verse 11, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to His purpose, who works all things after the counsel of His will. Predestined after the counsel of His will. As Paul has already established, we have been not just been chosen before the world was created, but we have been predestined according predestined according to God's purpose. God does not just know the future, but He has set it in motion. He doesn't just look into the future and learn. He is, in, he is the one who holds it. He knows it. He did it. God did it. One of the most comforting verses in Psalm 139, 13-16, it says, For you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I, give thanks, I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. And my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me. Amen. Amen. Not only has God predestined us, but He knows every single thing about us. Who works all things after the counsel of His will. So that word work, the word work in the Greek, and I believe I'm saying this right because I don't think it's that hard, which is energio, is where we get the word energy. So when God works all things according to His will, like our salvation, He has put forth a work, an energy, that will be enough to complete it. He has energized us. Every brother and sister in Christ has all the power necessary to bring them into spiritual completion. You cannot lose this inheritance. Right? For Philippians 1.6 For I am confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. He has put forth the work and the energy that he has put forth in us is enough to bring it into completion. Who works all things after the counsel of this will. So to summarize verse 11, we have obtained an inheritance in Christ that shall not perish, spoil, or fade, having been predestined, chosen beforehand, according to His purpose, God's purpose, who works energy, who works, who puts forth energy in us, and all things after the counsel of His will. And in verse 12, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 12, to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of His glory. So those who first put their hope in Christ, that is talking about first generation Jewish believers, those who would first believe in Christ. 
to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of His glory. It is for God's glory. It is for God's will. And for His praise that He saves. That He saves. That He chooses. That He predestines. And He is the only one who is worthy to receive it. And in verse 13, it says, In Him you also you also, us, Gentiles, Christians, right now, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise. And I'm going to break this verse into two parts. Starting with the first half, in Him, meaning Christ, you also, Gentiles, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your Salvation, having also believed. In Romans 10, verse 14, it says, How then are they to call on Him in whom they, if they have not believed? How are they to believe in Him whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without a preacher? It is through the preaching of the Gospel that people are to hear the message of truth. It is through the preaching of the gospel that people are to hear the message of the truth. People are saved. We have been saved through the preaching of God's word. It is an I who convicts. It is God who convicts. It is an I who saves. It is God who saves. We simply share the gospel. We preach the gospel. We simply tell of the message of truth. That has saved us. That has saved me. But we must first preach to others. And I also just want to make this clear. Just like, um, just like when we do on the streets. When we go door to door. Because a lot of people we run into. Um, professing Christians. They, you know, they say they believe. right? They say yes. I believe in Christ. You know, in James chapter 2, verse 19, it says, You believe that God is one. You do well. The demons also believe and shudder. So what makes the difference between those who profess to believe that in God and those, you know, and the demons who believe in God? Because they both, right? They both believe in God. But you see, demons, they believe simply just in existence. They know that they know that God is there, that God is. That God exists. That God is all powerful. They believe these things. You see demons believe in the existence of God. Like many people do today. But we just don't believe in the existence of God. But we have believed in Christ. Having put faith in Christ as rescuer. Who rescues us from the domain of darkness. You you know I see... I still see a lot of, you know, videos and like articles of, you know, Christian or not Christian, sorry, just celebrities, Hollywood celebrities in this world who, you know, who have, you know, quote unquote, uh, sold, you know, they have sold their souls to the devil, and that's how they've become famous. And oh, I don't know if that's true or not. You know, you know, you see all these people who have done that, and then you have the followers of those celebrities who are all they're in awe. They're shocked. 
They're amazed. They're surprised. How could, they, how could he do such a thing? You know, his soul is doomed. And yet, at the same time, although they believe in God, they don't realize that their souls are also doomed themselves. They may believe in God, the existence of God, but they have not put their faith. They have not believed in the Son of God, which is Christ. And so that's the big difference. Is, you know, what's the difference between professing Christians and those, you know, those who believe in God, just like the demons do, is that you know, we have put our faith in Christ. We believe in Christ to be Lord and Savior of all. That He has transferred us. You know, He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son. John MacArthur, I think this is really good. He says, Faith is man's response to God's elective purposes. God's choice of men is election. Man's choice of God is faith. In election, God gives His promises, and by faith, men receive them. So faith is man's response to God's elective purposes. You also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed in Christ. For you were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Give me one second. Yes, so you were sealed with Him and the Holy Spirit of promise. It's the next verse. Simply, our names have been written down. The inheritance we have, it's ours. God has you in His hand, and no one, including yourself, can pluck you out. God has began a work, and will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. For you are sealed in Him, in Him, in Christ, with the Holy Spirit of promise. As we know, fathers break promises and mothers break promises. Brothers and sisters break promises. Your best friends will break promises. And even yourself, you will break promises. But the Holy Spirit of promise will not. For God will not deny Himself by removing Himself, right? The verse where it says that no one will pluck you out of His hand. You know, the majority... You know, a lot of Southern Baptist Christians today, they believe that. They, they believe that no one will pluck them out of His hand, except yourself. That you could simply remove yourself out of His hand. That you can lose your salvation. That you could lose this inheritance. But we know that God will not deny Himself by removing Himself from you. For God is three, right? God is three in one. What has been sealed by men can fail, but what has been sealed by the Holy Spirit 
will not. You see, the Holy Spirit not only guarantees our inheritance in Christ with His seal, but also with His pledge. In verse 14 it says, Who is given, in verse 14 it says, Who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of His glory. To the praise of His glory. That word pledge originally means for a down payment or earnest money to secure a purchase. A form of this word pledge can even be used and is being used as an engagement ring. You see, the Holy Spirit is the church's irrevocable pledge. Her divine engagement. Christ's bride. And she shall never be neglected and she shall never be forsaken. When many in this world are today, Christ takes care of His bride, the church. In 2 Corinthians 5.5, it says, Now He who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave us the Spirit as a pledge. And in 2 Corinthians 1, verse 22, it says, Who has also sealed us and gave us the Spirit in our hearts as a pledge. So we, we are Christ's bride. And that pledge, as John MacArthur says, is like a divine engagement. And it shall never be forsaken. It shall, nev- it shall never be neglected. So who has given us as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession? With a view to the redemption of God's own possession. To the praise of His glory. We have been bought with a price. As we read, redeemed when we cannot redeem ourselves. And we do not own ourselves but the one who made us, the one who chose us, the one who predestined us. Not only do we have an inheritance, but we also are God's inheritance. In that verse, when I was studying in this passage, and when I was looking at verse 11, when it says that we have obtained an inheritance... Almost all the commentaries that I read, they all say the same thing. They all say that when it says we have obtained an inheritance, some translations say that we are an inheritance. So that verse, um, although in context, I believe it's talking about, it's continuing on the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ, which is an inheritance, you know, which is in heaven. We also are an inheritance. That we are God's own possession. That God owns us. Then although you know God is outside of time, right now we are here. And until you know God completes us and brings us into the day of Jesus Christ, you know, we are His, but we we are not right now in heaven. So we are also God's inheritance. We are His. And He cherishes us. He loves us. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. 
so that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called you out of darkness and into His marvelous light. And then in closing, the doxology that we sing, the doxology that we sing, right? The last verse when it talks about the Holy Spirit. It says, Praise God, the Spirit, seal of faith, a seal that cannot be broken. Praise Him, the helper of the saints. He sanctifies me day by day. And praise Him whose work will never fade. Guys, I pray that you will meditate on these things. That you'll meditate on verses like Ephesians chapter 1. Remind ourselves of these things before we forget them every single day by the way we live. Paul, God through Paul says, set your mind on things that are above where Christ is seated. Why? Because that's where Christ is. That's where Christ is. Christ is all. We sing... All I have is Christ. You know, I think of an article I read. I forget who it was, but he he says if you know if there was no AC, if there were no pews to sit in, there was no beautiful lights. You know, we don't have lights. I mean, we don't have any fog either. But if we didn't have even a building, right? If we didn't have any of these things, what would bring you to the gathering? What would still bring you here? You know, we may ask ourselves, is it Christ? And if it's not, then we must examine ourselves because that's the only thing that should bring us here. Our inheritance is Christ and it is with Christ and it is for Him. Um, well, let's pray together.